Hello and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go, ladies and gentlemen, back with you back for another episode of Roach Coach, creating this new metal canon one album at a time. This week, we got a wild one. Wild one. This is wild. This is crazy. We're doing something we've never done before. We've been talking about many albums on the show over seven years. It's true. And we have often speculated, what's it like to make these things? Oh, you know, get I have there. guessed. We have guessed. We have Hard speculated. Guesses. We have we have said, like, you know, you get in there, you got you got a mic. Yeah, oh, definitely. You got a guitar. Totally. Drums. I'm sure of it. Bass. Definitely. Turntables. <laughs> I hope. I hope. And then also a producer behind the boards, twiddling knobs, moving things up oh, and yeah, down. Just a lot of this. A lot, a lot of the, Yeah, a lot, a lot of, of just moving things around. You know, we don't know. We don't know about any of that stuff. We just speculate. We're like, this is what they probably did. Yeah, but they pressed that studio mic button and they're like, more that. More that, less this. And so we <laughs> really said. Really helpful producer. <laughs> we were like, we've got to find out really what's going on with making these records. And so today we have a special guest with us joining a Roach us. Roach Coach First. Roach Coach First. Whew. Joining us on the show, the lead singer of the band Steppa to talk about the album Steppa by Steppa, it's Blake Beckman. Yeah. I'm happy for you guys too. This uh, is going to be good. Yeah, Blake. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me, guys. Blake, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about this record. This is very exciting for us. You've been reaching out as well as Jesse over the past uh, couple of years, you know, showing support for the show. And, you know, saying like, hey, if you guys ever want to do this, and you know what, Matt and I said, let's do this. Let's do let's this. Let's do this. You know, new uncharted territory. So, yeah, indeed, we are talking about your album today, Blake, uh, Steppa by Steppa. Uh, we're going to dive all into this thing, get all into it. I guess to start with you, Blake, what's what's the Steppa journey? How do you go from just being Blake, guy hanging out, to like, <laughs> let me get in front, let me get some mics. Let me get in front of this band. Let me rock some fucking faces. What's the journey? All right. So journey, journey for me starts at uh, age 10. I started playing bass and uh, I go to my bass lessons and there's always this guy outside, uh, out front, uh, blonde hair, sides of his head were shaved. Very cool looking, just standing out, playing bass. Um, ended up being Jesse. Um, met them in junior high. High ended up meeting them in junior high, so a couple of years later, um, and they're like, we should start a band. Jesse already plays bass. You don't need a band with two bass players. Nobody needs that. Um, so I'm like, you know what? I'll sing. And I can't sing, but you know, but we just went for it. You know, it's a new metal. I could scream and I could rap, and you'd worry about the singing part of it later. Um, so we just kind of jumped in. Um, I think we started 1998. The four of us. That was the first time the four of us got together. The the core four. Um, there ended up being six um, at our <laughs> at our largest, and we played in town, um, and we were doing really good for a local band. You know what I mean? Like it was the right time. Is ninety eight, ninety nine yeah. playing? We were like a. We'll we'll get into this as we get into the record, but we were more of like a Primus meets Pantera and Corn okay. and Deftones kind of band. So super abrasive, super heavy, but also super funky. Um, very I much like stoner, that. Stoner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good good stuff. Um, very much stoner music, though, but we had a cool, you know, good-sized following. Um, you know, 
all throughout high school. The band started before I even turned a freshman. So it was, you know, my entire high school journey. Um, we got signed when so was I this was all on the, sorry to get you to, uh, before you signed, but yeah, where you, was this point. West coast or East coast, or I'm not sure where you're, where you're, yeah, we're, we're in Newbury park, California. Okay. So that's like a, a suburb of Los Angeles. All right. 40 uh, ish minutes North of LA. Yeah. So I have to imagine around 98. Yeah. That scene is probably hopping. Like, yeah, yeah. It's huge. And especially in that area, because incubus is from a couple towns over. So like a lot of the guys that were in the bands <clears throat> around that area, um, like Hoobastank, um, some other ones, bunch of ones that, that, you know, never made it. Um, but like they had all, they were <clears throat> Incubus's peers and, or they had gone to high school with them or, you know, they had sisters that were dating the guys in the band or whatever. Um, you know what I mean? So like, that was a huge part of the scene and, um, was sort of the, the Incubus influence <laughs> in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon Boyd, right? Yeah, <laughs> oh, he's, he's dreamy. He's a dreamy dude. He's dreamy dude. Dreamy guy. You know. Uh, I mean, I I don't know if we're going to talk about no shirts this early, but but I mean, n- no somewhere shirt. he's sitting without a shirt without on a shirt on right today, now. Absolutely. Right now. Yeah. You guys are in the scene. You're doing this thing. The new metal tag is there. How was your feeling on being new metal? Because as we've talked about, some people. They don't want to be associated with it. Some people, they're like, put it on me. I'll take any tag. How was your feeling on it? Well, the tag came later uh, because, I mean, at, at the time, you know, like everybody knew that things were slowing down and getting lower tuned, right? And it wasn't, there was old school metal and then there was what we're doing now, right? But mm-hmm. then like distinctions were like bands like Rage and Pantera, still felt like a part of what was happening because they were that aggressive next step after a band like Metallica mm-hmm. and Negadeth and, and those sort of bands. Um, so uh, I don't have a problem with it now, but I didn't become aware of it till a bit later. But I definitely knew that we were of of what was going on. Okay. So you were saying that you got signed in, was it right after 98, 99, or was it a little bit later? So I think it would have been... Record came out in 2002. We recorded it in 2001, and then we did the the writing of it in about 2000. So we, I think we got signed in about around 2000. Okay. Okay. So I was I was 16. Wow. <laughs> wow. They were, wow. They were trying to silver us. Wow. There you go. Wow. Uh, yeah. So according to Wikipedia, uh, it says the album was released on July 30th, 2002. And it was produced by Scott Gaines and Jay Baumgartner. So you're in the studio with Jay, a guy who's come up very much on this show. I mean, he's worked with, I'm just going to read this, Papa Roach, Bush, Seether, Super Heist, Cold Chamber, Drowning Pool, Godsmack, Three Days Grace, P.O.D., Newfound Glory. So he has a pedigree. He's out there. He's out there. And so... You're 16, 17, working on this album. And Baumgartner's like, I want all the points. And <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no. I, I have to say, like, as a, as a teenager making this in the scene, are you at any point thinking, this is surreal? I'm in, like, a studio making an album, and I also am like, 
I mean, are you still like going home at the end of the day to like living with your parents or are you like, like what's, yeah. Yeah. yeah normal, normal high school kids stuff. Um, it was, I go to school all day. Um, and then after school drive down to North Hollywood and work on songs and sit in the studio and, um, but so the, I guess there was, there's two studio phases. There was a phase where we were writing the record, which was in our manager, Scott Gaines's studio. And then there was the recording of the actual album, which was at NRG, which was uh, Jay Baumgartner's studio. Okay. Okay. So um, we hadn't, I think just being that age and not really being aware of producers and who's doing what and how the, how the business side of it works, right? It's just like, we're creative and we're artists and we're like a lot of that kind of energy and we're just going to show up. And, um, and because we had started, you know, it started when I was 14, it was nothing but positive feedback up to that point. And that just sort of felt like an inevitable natural step of what was supposed to happen. Like, mm-hmm. that's what we wanted to happen. We we're playing shows. We were, uh, developing a following, a local following. And, um, looking back on it, it's surreal and it, crazy. Cause it's like, you know, me, so, uh, Jay had just done, like, I think right in a row, it was like Papa Roach, Drowning Pool, Alien Ant Farm, right? And then, and, and, and like, you know, Last uh-huh. Resort record, right. uh, mm-hmm. Bodies record, and um, uh, the, yeah. Mike, Michael Jackson record. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so he was just nothing but success. And it was, um, it's just surreal. I mean, you walk into NRG and it's like on the wall, follow the leader significant other make yourself tragic kingdom you know just you can name all the records that have been made there these crazy things and yeah it it was just nuts it was just absolutely absolutely insane i mean we're we're rehearsing across the street too um one time and the guitar player for hoobastank just they were finishing their album i think jay did i think he produced the vocals on that um, but their album with like the reason and crawling in the dark, right. Their big record. Um, and he came over, uh, he heard us playing and he just came over just to say hi. And he's like, Hey, you guys want to go check out the studio? And we're like, yeah, we're going to be there, you know, in a couple weeks cutting the record. And it was just, it just, just, yeah, absolutely surreal. Scott Weiland was walking around a bunch, just, wow. just being, just being Scott Weiland. Just being Scott Weiland. Doing backup vocals, singing them harmonies. and <laughs> that, that Slithering. Slithering around, snake arms yeah. in it. Absolutely. <laughs> Always slithering. Um, so, it's hard to look at him too long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this record, um, for one, I was not a... I was not able to obtain a physical copy. According yeah. to Discogs, it's worth $100. Do you have any physical copies in your home still? I have a physical copy. Well, it's worth a hundred bones, according to Discogs. I'll, I'll hang on to it. There you go. Hold on to that one. <laughs> I just hang hold, on to that one. Guys. Hold on to that one. But uh, it has. Um, I was going through the liner notes here. I do love this photo of you guys in the band because it seems like you got the guys in the back that are kind of doing the "I'm gonna be hard" thing. Yeah. But then you're in the front and you've decided I'm going to be like now that I know that you were 16, 17, 18 when you did this album, mm-hmm. this this whole like, yeah, I am I am a nice teen boy who's here to rock some faces, but also I'm a nice teen boy. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, you're yeah. rocking some dreads 
at this serious time. Dreads. Serious yeah. dreads. You know, I've never had dreads. Matt, you had a dread face briefly. Uh, yeah, well, I had hair briefly. You had hair briefly. Well. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. Are, are you thinking now? I know you guys are working on new material. You're thinking about bringing the dreads back. No, man. No? Okay. <laughs> well, All right. Uh, all right. So, so you see this. This is, I don't yeah. know. We got seven, eight inches here. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. When it becomes dreaded, that, that would become one inch. So then I'd have uh-huh. hair this long. Oh, And no. in another maybe two, three years, it would be maybe about this length. Okay. Wow. Just takes so long to grow because it does, you know, that's not growing straight. It's getting all right, right up, and and then your hair smells like mildew, and oh, you gotta live, with, you gotta live with that reality too. Oh, I didn't know that <laughs> mildew smell. That's a new one to me. I didn't know that. Hmm. Yeah, the only haircuts that I was pulling off was uh, the George Clooney Caesar cut. Ah, okay. In 98, 99, you could have seen me rolling around with the ER cut. Mm, and nice. then I started to notice, <laughs> hey, why am I, why am I, why am I widow's peak getting a lot stronger here? And then mm. slowly but surely, Friar Tuck appeared, and I was like, oh, I guess I'm a hat guy now. Mm. Real hat man. <laughs> mm. I was a big man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, ninety eight, ninety nine. I was sadly still probably bowl cutting it in some terrible mm. down the middle rider strong situation. Not hey, not a 98, good look. Ninety eight, ninety nine. You gotta go for a rider strong. I wanted, yeah. I wanted that Seth Green rallies cut so bad. Oh, that was a good cut. He had the cha-ching commercials, mm-hmm. and he just had this beautiful waterfall. Mm-hmm. Just boof, absolutely gorgeous. Love that. Mm. Wanted that Andy Dufresne. Uh, okay. <laughs> like when he's in the rain <laughs> ah, and my yeah. hair said you do not have the genetics for this mm. uh, you have all colics and, and it's going to go away <laughs> real soon uh, uh, yeah looking at the other photos in here we do have some spiky hair we do, we have the, 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 the look the look is there very yeah. strong when you guys released this record what I guess what was the experience I mean, Sam you guys did a tour on this and took it out on the road yeah, we did several tours, national. That was that was a lot of fun. Uh, it was you know hard work because. So uh, what ended up happening was Interscope paid for the record. So they mm-hmm. paid I don't know more than five hundred thousand dollars for this record, <laughs> um, and um, then once it got done, they're like you know we don't hear a single. I don't think we're gonna put it out, but we'll license it to you for five grand for five years and you can do whatever you want with it so uh okay. so we so they didn't so usually what happens like the label will pay this is also in the before time right before streaming like napster mm. was kind of a thing but it hadn't really taken a toll yet so they the you know record companies just had money um so what they would used to do is they would pay for you to go on tour because that they're promoting their product their the record um and so we just went out on our own. Our manager, Scott Gaines, um, helped set up the shows and he worked with a, a booking agent um, to get us out there. Cause he, so he was the one that discovered us and he, as a manager, sunk a lot of his time and efforts into, into what we were doing. Um, so anyways, we, he helped get us out there and we were playing gigs and, you know, just all over the country. we started in a van, ended up in an RV um, and then Scott purchased a bus. And I think he actually like rents buses to bands now. That's his thing. So oh. that was a weird thing too, is we actually got to be on a bus, even though we were nowhere near, like we're making $150 a night on our merch. And we're also on a tour bus, <laughs> you know? So just wow, yeah. 
yeah. Cool. But it was fun. Yeah, I toured for uh, a couple of years. Okay. After, after the record came out, yeah. Okay. So, so the label basically said, "We're we're going to license it to you." That means no tour support, no real promo. They're basically saying like, "You guys can go make this happen for us." Is what well, is that what happened there, or is that like half of? No, it's just, it's just you can go and and use this. So we didn't even owe them like for the merchandise or for the actual CDs themselves, we were free to print and make our own copies. And we didn't even owe them money back for that. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Which I, I guess is a pretty common practice as, as it was explained to me. Uh, you know, David Geffen would say like, you, you put a bunch of money into seven bands every year. And if you get one or two of them to hit, then it's all worth it. So you know, it's like all those stinker movies you make, but then you make the Avengers and you make a billion dollars. You know what I mean? Right. It's right. kind of like that philosophy is you just keep making stuff because um, you don't know exactly what's going to hit. Well, so being in record stores at the time, uh, working in record stores, that that was like when I talked to the reps, it was always like they would come in with seven new bands every other week. And it's like, where is he? Where are these bands coming from? I'd never heard of xyz band and then we'd get the promo we'd listen to the promo and sometimes we'd fall in love with the band and then we'd never hear from the band again or they would come around as an opening support act and hopefully like even though it seemed like impossibly difficult it was also a weird system like Mm -hmm. when you say like we when you said the business part of it i'm recalling something that we've said to each other now recently it's like we've over indexed on show and way under indexed on business in our endeavors because it's <laughs> yeah. always been like yeah. I'm, I've always been way more interested in the show part of it. But mm-hmm. then it's like I, don't, I can't uh, feed my children on on show anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. You got, listen, as we've talked about on the show, you got to put food in your you family. You got to put food on. You got to put food in your family. Hundred uh, percent. That's why it's it's so hard to be in a band and to make it last because you're. You're still a human, right? You have all these creative ideas, and you got to you got to put food on your family. Yeah. Um, so uh, going back to the wiki, it says here in 2003, you and DJ Chad Kinski left the band. Mm-hmm. Is, is that accurate? I was asked to leave the band. Uh, a couple reasons. Uh, I think the largest one was that. It's funny you mentioned that picture of the guys in the back being hard and me up front being me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I wanted to do things a little bit differently, mm. different, different creative vision. And it was so it was, I don't know, 2002, 2003, Lincoln Park had come out, like Evanescence had come out. I wasn't as good as I needed to be to be able to compete with those bands at that time. Mm. You know, saying like I wasn't technically as good of a singer as, um, Amy Lee or Chester or one of those types of bands. Um, and, you know, I'd always say, well, you know, Fred Durst isn't technically a great singer. And say, like, yeah, well, Fred Durst has technically sold millions of records and you haven't. So, right. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I, and, and to be fair, like I needed, I needed to practice more. I needed to get my shit together. Um, so I was asked to leave. Um, and our, one of our guitar players who was also a singer, um, super naturally talented dude came into the came into the position and they started writing darker um heavier stuff and there's a a demo out there um that's got some um some really good good tunes on it and then chaz i think left because chaz was like yeah this is not we just kicked out our singer 
mm. this identity of the band what are we doing here you know mm. right 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 i'm now in a new band and i don't know if i want to be in a new band right now so yeah i'll yeah. see you guys later and but it says yeah. that yeah in 2004 um they disbanded uh yeah. after shane uh swaney left and mm-hmm. then you fronted a band called fermata and you had a mm-hmm. and you have a solo project and the fixation Mm-hmm. Um, are those still an active thing for you? No, no, no. Fermata's, yeah, Fermata was my my rebound, <laughs> so to speak. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and then and then in August of 2022, it was announced the band had reunited and was working on their second album. How is that going? In earnest, it's going good. It's not respectful of your time. I love it's, that. Uh, 20, 24 songs. 24, 24 songs. Who are you, Drake? Yeah. <laughs> Keep the streams. Keep the streams. Keep the streams. Well, it's it's cool because it's like it's the best ideas we've had over the last 15, 16 years and unfinished stuff that they never got to do. So it's like, yeah, in, in, in that amount of time, you could amass a decent group of songs. Um, it's It's been going good. I've been working on it a lot. Um, the The drums are there the rhythm guitars are there um i'm starting vocals and we're doing bass right now um but we're not gonna uphold use your illusion um because nobody needs that and if we wait to finish all 24 songs it's not going to be done for another two years so we're we're looking to put out a couple singles uh by the end of this year or early next year so we got we got about six songs that are solid <clears throat> solidly need need a little bit of post-production and mixing but um they're they're coming down the pipe and they'll, they'll be there very soon all right we're awesome. telling people for a couple of years like just wait it's gonna be good just wait and then <laughs> keep waiting it's gonna be real good um so we need we need to you know put something out there yeah uh well cool we're definitely looking forward to those so let's let's dive into this album as we discussed jay bob gardner producer on this record uh, the lineup of the band uh, we have yourself, Blake, on lead vocals. Uh, according to the liner notes, throat. That's what you're listed. <laughs> I don't as. know about that. Okay. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. You don't know the story on that one. <laughs> you're just listed as throat. No. <laughs> a lot of a lot of those decisions were made by our manager. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. There's there's a desire for control among the members of the band, uh, such that it was counterproductive. And I think he's like, you know what? If we put this put this to them, it's going to go nowhere. So I'm just gonna. Let's you just know, sequence the songs yeah. and just make it get it done. You know, before we started recording, Matt and I were talking about in improv, there's no greater bit of strife than naming your improv group. Right. And, and all of the names right. of improv teams are, 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 are bad. terrible. They're and, the worst names. And if you leave it to the group to make the decision, you will have like five group chats and email threads <laughs> and everyone will be fighting over this. And it's literally about like, am I credited as singer or am I throat? You know, like those are the things that come into play. Yeah. So I'm glad that your manager just like, all right, boys, I'm going uh-huh. your throat and you're just going to live with that. Yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, we, uh, it has nothing to do with, uh, we're ready. It's we're, this is due and I'm not taking it to the boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So we have, uh, Jesse, um, is it craft? Yeah, Jesse Kraft on bass guitar, Mark Thorley on drums, Chad Kinschke on DJ and keyboards, Brendan Oates on guitar, Shane Swanee on guitar and voice. So I guess he's voice in your throat. These yeah. are interesting decisions. The name Steppa, where is that from? You know the Inikamozi song? Uh, I'm the hot Steppa. Yes. yes. 
it was it was again we're which we call ourselves that's dumb that's dumb and uh after the 20th fight about it Chaz came to the studio one day he'd been listening to that on the way down and he's like what about Steppa like I'm the hot Steppa and uh we're like fine just, just make it happen <laughs> right let's do it let's do it that's a classic oh we'll come back to it then yeah <laughs> write down Steppa and uh, we'll come back to it if we get something else and then it's like Step is still on the board, so that's that's the one, guy. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. That's the yeah. one. We also have a Limp Bizkit connection on this album. Scott Borland, yeah. Wes's yeah. brother, uh, contributed additional keyboards. Um, how did that come together? Interscope family. Interscope I guess they family. like it needs they needs something else. He was working with Wes on a project called Eat the Day. So Wes has like big dumb face. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that weird like ween sort of band? And then he's got um Eat the Day, which is like electronic and experimental and sort of atmospheric. Um and, and he Scott just was- released that recently. He'd been sitting on yeah. that forever yeah. because that was pretty much post Limp Biscuit or like right in that gray area where he was about to leave. No, it was, he hadn't left yeah, already. I think, I think he left and that was like his, like when MTV news like came to him, like, why'd you leave? And he's like, this is my new project now. Eat the day. This is what I'm doing. I'm looking for vocalists. And then he never found a vocalist. Right. Yeah. And then he yeah. just like within the last four years, mm-hmm. like during COVID, he was just like, let's go to the vault. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, gotta right. keep myself busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and he put that yeah. out. Yeah. It was, it was cool that project because after scott came in and did the keyboards my vocal coach was i forget exactly how he was involved in eat the day maybe he was like supervising or maybe they were looking to him to maybe do some like demo vocals or something um but i remember sitting around in my vocal coach's house with scott listening to um eat the day demos oh wow talking about yeah yeah i've also met his his house was a trip too because i also met Paige hamilton from helmet yeah, I'm yeah. over there one day, and Paige comes over for a little bit and wants to show him. Um, I forget the name. I think it's Size Matters is the name of the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with that song uh, "See You Dead," and he was like listening to demos of that song and talking about how he didn't like the mix on this, and this guitar was too loud, and this vocal was too quiet. These are the things that we think about, man. Are these this is musicians getting together and they're just like, "Can I bitch to you about this mix for half an hour?" That's the life. <laughs> That's the life. Yeah. Ah, I love it. I love it. I'm literally like hyped at the idea of Paige Hamilton being like, I want to complain about a mix <laughs> to a bunch of people for half an hour. I love it. <laughs> I love it. You did get one music video for the song Spaceships and Airplanes, which we will get to. Um, it says that an aquarium were released as singles, but you said like Interscope wasn't really hearing a single. Do you know how like were they like shopped to like college radio or anything like that at any point? So we did get picked up by Locomotive Records, which is a Spanish label. I think they had a bunch of like like goth bands or black metal bands or something in that time period. And so they were the ones that ended up putting it out. It was shopped to radio because we were there was places that we'd show up and we were on the radio and there was big crowds and there's other places where we'd show up and it was just like the people that drink at that bar every night, you know? So mm, <laughs> it yeah. was some places and mm. not other places. Yeah. Listen, Matt, you and I have been there. Oh, man. oh been yeah. there. You know, you think like, Oh, yeah. tonight's the night I'm doing the show of shows and you roll in and you're like, there's five guys. Yep. Five guys. And uh, by the way, those five guys not interested in seeing what I have to do. <laughs> Yeah. We've just you're I, improv. Oh, yeah. They're just like <laughs> once again, we were just talking about I at one time I this guy was like, Hey, we're gonna do we're gonna do a new thing. 
and it's going to be in the back of a thrift store. And let me tell you, not my greatest set. Not my greatest set in the back of that thrift store. Oh yeah, I did. I did a set in a furniture store. Mm. Um, absolutely terrible. Mm. And uh, I I've done bars, <laughs> real bars, like a real bar uh, to do to I- improv comedy. It might as well just be like I'm going to a place to be heckled hard. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I I've never done bar prov, but my buddy Greg he told me that they once did. It wasn't even bar prov. It was improv for a line of people waiting to get into a venue they'd been hired to do. <laughs> and I said, Greg, no. And he said, yes, I did this. And I was like, with like a team? And he's like, no, it was him and uh, my buddy Brian. They did a two-man in front of a line of people. And I said, how did that go? And he said, he said more people were receptive than he guessed. But he said most of the people were like, what is happening in this, but he also said the line was moving, so like the audience Thank was God. shifting. <laughs> Not ideal. What? Not ideal. Because when when you play bad shows like that, at least like when you're in a band, you're like, okay, well, this was an off night, and we're still on tour, we're still promoting this thing. Like if you're in an improv troupe or a comedy troupe, like there's sort of there's a sort sort of sense, at least like you're 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 doing your time you're you're cutting your teeth do you, do you guys have that same experience like what's the rationale it's like you know what i'm going to play for this line of people outside the laundromat and like i would say that in my first 5 or 6 years of doing improv it was like i need to get stage time anywhere. any way i can if if it's playing in a um uh, I think I did like an art gallery once that was also like doing like experimental stuff. So like we were in between people just doing like live readings of poems and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was weird. Honestly, not a bad show. That one went all right. Mm-hmm. But you would just, yeah, you were just trying to get stage time any time you could. And then you get to a certain point where you're like, I'd rather just do good shows with people that I like. At places where they're expecting it. Exactly. Because nobody, and this is the truest thing I can say, nobody wants surprise improv comedy. Mm-mm. Nobody. <laughs> no. Literally. No, no. It is hate. I hate it. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know this. Oh, yeah. God. A suggestion. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. I mean, heck, I've done some shows where people knew what we were doing and they still were upset about <laughs> like, it. So, no, you know. You. Yeah. I, I remember hosting two back-to-back shows and I repeated a game and I remember this woman was sitting right next to the stage and she says to her friends in full voice goes, this guy's just repeating himself. And I was like, Okay. All that's, right. That's the art. That's uh, what doing. Sorry. Sorry. There's only 12 good games in improv. I hate to break <laughs> it to you. All right. I know people go out there and they're like, these million games. No, people are just putting a hat on a hat. They're yep. moving things around. The invention of soundboard, you know, adding music. What if we take one game that's always worked and put just like a song on top of it? Sure, whatever. You've you've made a new game. Yeah. You did. I'm talking some shit right now, aren't I? You really, well, thank God we're doing this during this podcast. We're really, uh, really laying into improv during uh, our right new battle podcast. Tru- truly my love. Truly my love. I just want to say that. Um, there's, there's, there's a new text thread being started right now. Oh, you know what? I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that those people are listening to the show. That is true. That's good. You know what? A download's a download. And Clicks a like is a like. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, let's dive into Stepa by Stepa, the first song on this album, Aquarium. Stepa by Stepa. 
now, here's the song. Here we go. Material that is live. Live. Take a quick moment to uh, yell over to Interscope. You didn't hear a single? What are we talking about? This chorus is money in the bank. Money in the bank, Blake. That's what we said. I heard this chorus. I was like, "What? how is this not on? How? 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 Big old how? That's what I'm giving. <laughs> how? Big old how? Um, Blake, this, this song rips. I'm just going to go a couple notes that I made. Uh, so right off the top, we got these wonderful beeps and boops. So I'm like, am I actually in an aquarium? Beautiful scene setting. Uh, I also wrote underwater level of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I don't know. That might have just been where I was at the time. Uh, oh, the most challenging level in all of video the, the, games. The most, oh, yeah. The worst <laughs> level ever made in video games. Yeah. But then that chugging bass riff comes in. And I was like, oh, oh, shit. Here we go. You know, I, I had this out of my car. And I was like, ooh, okay. And then I wrote, oh, we crunching. Then you get that sample material that is live. That gets me hot. It goes right in there. Moody vibes in your vocals. Also, I love the deep exhales, like like the that you're doing up top. That mm. get that gets gets me going. I was saying like your vocals are like right in there of like right as like a sensual chino, but with a little JD mixing in there is what I saw. Knowing that you were 16, 17 years old, experience beyond your years, my friend, in the vocals. And yeah, and then this course is Money in the Bank. The riff is tasty. We'll talk about what I think the song is about. Um, this is the first time where, you know, we can actually go to the person who wrote the lyrics, which is very it's exciting. True. It's true. Uh, Matt, how'd you feel about Aquarium? I liked it a lot. I love a beepy boy introduction. You know me, goth industrial past. So give me those synthesizers. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I liked having a scratch master. I always like a good drop from, uh, I don't know where the samples came from, uh, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it was a movie of some sort. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I like that. Um, when it got into the lyrics, I was like, okay. So we got that shift. We got that shift going on there. And I was like, wait a second. What you said in the play, like, because you set the stage of like, we're in California. Incubus is a town over. There's a good vibe here. Like definitely mm-hmm. feeling that vibe it hits the chorus. And it's like, it's money in the bank. It's a good chorus right there. Everything's. Yeah. Like 2002, yeah. Like we're we're dealing with we're dealing with the come down ninety nine to two thousand one. We consider the peak of new metal. Um, so that like this feels a little like 
what you would want during that time period. Like this feels like it's right in the pocket of just like, yeah, it has a little aggression, but not the hey, we're not interested in hearing that anymore. Aggression, right? That yeah, we have. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Blake, your feelings on Aquarium? Yeah. So, um, I wish. <laughs> I wish you could skip the intro. I wish you could just go straight to the song, right to where the bass starts. Mm-hmm. Um, the intro, I made the drum loop on a, you know, some handheld drum machine that I had, um, and then Jesse and I sat in one of the. So NRG's, it's it's a big studio, right? You and there's several studios inside it, but the the large room that we were in, there's the control room with all the the knobs, um, and the board in the computer. And then there's the tracking room where you set everybody up. And then along the tracking room, there's four or five different vocal booths. And we were set up in a vocal booth to just make interludes like this. And so this was just an interlude that we made one day. Um, I think our manager decided that it should be at the top of the record um, instead of just coming in with the clown, 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 clown. Um, but yeah, that riff is good. I like yeah. that riff. Our, yeah. our bass player came up with with that. Um, the song was it did pretty well. Uh, I we were on top forty rock radio at some point because of this song. We like peaked at like thirty seven or something like that. But for a band that had minimal support, um, I agree with you guys. I think it would have been a banger had it had it had a little bit of a juice behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, promo copy with radio edit, cut the top, go straight into the. Loop. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote my notes that I think it's a song about wanting to relax with someone in a peaceful way that almost feels otherworldly while also being a hot open. Otherworldly. Otherworldly. Well, you know, when I think about Sit by the Aquarium, I think about a documentary I saw once about air traffic controllers and how it's the most stressful job in the world Mm -hmm. and that they apparently will either quit, kill themselves, or find some other way to get through the job. And one guy was like, yeah, I just go and I sit in front of an aquarium and I just watch. He's like, there's just, they go wherever they want and no one's telling them. And literally, I just remember this, like this dude who looked like, I don't know, like the world had like stepped on him and he was just sitting in front of an aquarium looking like totally peaceful and i was like that's what i guess it takes sometimes so when i when i saw this song and was listening to it i'm like i could see that being part of it is that uh part i mean like you're 16 17 years old writing these lyrics you know some we talk about sometimes you know like these lyrics you know your lyrics saved me you know and someone's like yeah i wrote it in like five minutes uh, i don't even know what it was about anymore do you have like a greater yeah. theme behind this song <laughs> That's that's the risk of of today is taking away that experience for people. I hope <laughs> we don't do that. Yeah, no. So I think, and a lot of these songs too. When we were writing them, I was just kind of writing whatever, and then coming up with final lyrics later. And I definitely took a note out of Chino's book that's like, your lyrics don't always have to make sense. You don't have to always have to tell a, a clear story. You know what I mean? Um, so this, I think, was about again seventeen. Um, just the struggle for like social performance and watching people because when you're in high school, people start to do that, right? They stop, they stop becoming children in this authentic expression of self and they start turning into, Oh, I'm this version or I'm a this or I'm a that mm-hmm. or, um, and just trying to think, make sense of that phenomenon, what was going on around me. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wrote, I wrote down the lyric when a face is a cigarette, you taste so good, fragranced by it. Get your scale on, reflect a bit. I'm so boring, you bit your lip. 
I mean, you got some imagery there. The face of a cigarette, um, you know, that could go a couple different ways. And then, you know, I had to go over, and I don't know if you've gone over there, to songmeanings.com. It's a little website. little website. I I have not. I wanted the authentic experience. Okay. So (laughs) apparently, (laughs) what I will tell you is that there are comments. It seems to be that a gentleman or lady, I don't know, who goes by the name of CKY96, Hopped in on this album back in 2018, November 22nd, 2018, to be exact. And from what I can tell, and we'll get into this, it appears to be one of ours. And I think they thought maybe that was back when we first got recommended this album on the show, probably. probably, And they thought we were about to do it. And so they went in. Little did they know. Little did they know we were going to take a little bit more time. (laughs) And and they went in and uh, basically gave feelings, comments, everything. They're responding. There's another person who shows up later who uh, was responding back in 2008. And then they were responding to them a decade later. Uh, Incredible stuff. So on this one, CKY96 said, one of my favorite tracks, great opener for the album, although I don't really care for the electronic intro. Otherwise, it's in my top five. As for the meaning, it's a love song. So top five. We don't know if that's top five step of songs. Top five songs of all time. Got to be all time. Got to be all time. Got to be all time. So you're there. You go. You're you're in there. Yeah. You're in between. Uh, smells like Teen Spirit yep. and um, uh, and Total uh, Eclipse of the Heart. Bohemian Rhapsody. Bohemian Rhapsody. Black yeah. Hole Sun. Black yeah. Hole Sun. Black Hole Sun. Yeah. Black Hole Sun. Absolutely. Got to reach. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well. So get re- Get get used to CKY ninety six. I can't wait. Yeah. More more from them as we go through. All right. Up next, we have the song Shine. No question there. What are we doing? We're getting that pit started. <laughs> Pit's up. Pit. Matt, have you activated the pit? There yeah. it is. Matt has activated the pit. If you're not jumping right now, I don't know what you're doing in the pit. Truly. I wrote in my notes that we are riffing and rocking. We've got some bounce. I said, get the fuck up. Get the fuck up. Get the fuck, get up. The fuck up. Get the fuck up. Hit. Knock, knock. Who's there? A ripper. <laughs> a ripper. You you scream shine right up at the top. Um, I know earlier you were talking about, you know, your vocals, Blake, and your abilities and, you know, why you initially left the band, whatever. I got to say, your vocals... I, I'm spoiler alert for the whole album. I mean, across the board, I felt very strong, and I felt you were kind of running through. We didn't get into it, but there's a rap on the first song. You're doing it all. You're rapping. You're rapping. You're rocking. You're singing. You're screaming. You're doing all the yeah. things we need a new metal band to do. Yeah. And so, and yet, your feeling, the band's feeling, was that it was not quite there. A lot. Of, a lot of the singing. Um, uh-huh. It was. It was a bit rough live. Um, okay. And again, it wasn't, it wasn't horrible, but it was, 
the thing too was when I I have since figured out how to do this, but like when I was screaming back then, like I was yelling. You know, imagine having to yell that loud that you get that that high crisp on your voice. Like I was just throwing everything into it, and I was I was jacking myself up, and it made it very difficult to sort of manage the singing parts when you're screaming that loud. And now I know like a lot of metal bands that do it for hours and hours. It's, it's an effect that you do. It's a trick. Um, you're not actually like screaming like that. So, but I hadn't figured that out. And I think live, it was just challenging because I get four or five songs in and my throat's already like Gone. screaming mm-hmm. and it's hurting. And I, we still got six more songs to go. Oh boy. And, oh, you know, it's rough. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Um, would you say so you would say now though you've kind of mastered a lot of that yeah okay cool yeah. well then yeah when i got kicked out of the band i was like all right i'm gonna take this shit seriously mm. you get a vocal coach you're gonna right. learn all your theory you're gonna you know do all that all that stuff okay yeah. would you say with, with your vocals on this album are you are you largely live are they putting any sort of like filters or stuff on your vocals or anything like that or is this basically as it was no, there's there's filters on the vocals. Okay, um, right. for sure. I think Jay used a, a thing called a chorus smear. It was like a particular effect that he just loved for vocals to make them sort of dreamy like that. And they're tuned. And but every every record you listen to now has tuned vocals on it. Yeah, like right. if it doesn't have tuned vocals, it sounds like it's not done. You know. Interesting. Um, yeah. Interesting. Matt, should we look into tuning our vocals? Oh, we got to tune these bad boys up. We got to tune them up? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Boy. Okay. Come on. We're, yeah. okay. we're pitchy as shit. Are we pitchy? <laughs> oh, oh, man. Well, you know. Oh, can we T-paint it up? Can we just... You know what, though? I like to keep it as raw as possible so people, when they see me in the streets, they're just like, that dude's the real fucking deal. That's a real you know? fucking deal. Yeah. Right and there. you're hearing every crack and nook and cranny of that throat. <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing... <laughs> A lot of mistakes he made from 25 to 40. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, how many shows have I done where I've just destroyed my voice? And then I'm like, let's record an app, you know, where I've just spent an evening screaming. Yeah. yeah. Ma- Matt, how did you feel about Shine? Oh, dude, I was I was activated. Like, I was in the pit. I was ready to go. A lot of fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm, this, this is working. Okay. Um, I wrote a note here that's a real, I'm just going to say, bl- shots on myself a real like pick a lane here because i said is this song cynical or optimistic i could see it being read either way i should have just made a decision (laughs) i should have just made a decision blake since we have you here cynical optimistic where does this song land i'm gonna lean optimistic okay because at the end I, i took a line from henry david thoreau the sun is but a morning star Ooh. um which is so funny because obviously I heard that in my high school English class. And this song was about how school was stupid and I hated it (laughs) 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 and how, you know, from my brain, yeah, everyone just start a band and make a record deal. You just live whatever life you want to live. You know, it's, it's it's freedom. Yeah. I love that. that Everybody's in class. They're bummed. They're thinking about the packs that they made and made with people. Right. Possibly cut their dicks off. They don't get laid that year. And and then literally one over is Blake being like, I got a record deal. I'm making riff. I'm making rippers with my friends. What's your problem? Little did you know that they had made a pact. So yeah, that's why they're taking this. So that's why they're so serious. CKY 96 back on songmeetings.com. Uh, they said yet another killer song. Definitely a pit stoker, if not pit activator. And okay, like, that person knows us. Knows us for sure. Yeah. But then here's the twist. To me, the song is about 
and the comment stops. <laughs> it's a cliffhanger. Where'd they go? What Ooh. happened to them? Were they typing it on their phone and they got hit by a car? Like they were what? Attacked mid comment. For me, this was a, <laughs> taken out. They have a, a Wikipedia. That's how they. That's how they were ended. The assailant <laughs> hit submit for them. <laughs> they got they, they got they got sniped by somebody. Somebody was like, "All right, we got to take this guy out today," and he's on his phone. Uh, yeah, he's get hit, but he's like, "But must." Submit, submit. Still, I need them to know it's a bit stoker. And he also did that on New Year's Eve. <laughs> uh, no, November twenty second was. Is that November twenty second, two thousand eighteen? Yeah, we should. Look, you know, I will look up and see what if that was Thanksgiving. If that was Thanksgiving, yeah, it was his break. <laughs> Do you want to spend your last Thanksgiving with Grandma? No, I got to talk about Steppa on song yeah. meanings, priorities. Uh, oh, uh, well, maybe maybe it was Thanksgiving and he's loaded with chicken uh, turkey, so the tryptophan hit him. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. And then his head went straight on the submit button. That's right. That's it. Uh, all right. Well, let's keep it. Let's keep it. Let's keep it going. Let's keep it rolling, baby. Next up, we've got Sap. Two minutes for sure. some cool scratching. I love cool scratching. I'm going to say it, DJ Worm, you got some competition from Chaz on this. There we are. You're scratching it up. I got to say, a lot of great little textures going on. I would say the, the you know what? I'm not going to be Paige Hamilton on this. I like the mix here. I like the mix. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about the overall, like, how the, like, when you were making the album to how it actually came out? Was it like, when you listened to it, absent Interscope comments, were you like, yeah, this is what we wanted to make? Did you, were you critical? How were you feeling? at the time it was tough and it was a, it was a tough process. Um, just because of, you know, like I say, and we were, we were funkier, we were heavier. Um, and you got signed by a huge label and this is a business and you got to write some, some pop songs. And so like a lot of the challenge, the year leading up to actually recording was just like, how do you write a commercial song? Like, how does that. Right. You know, it's not something you can just like wake up one day and Oh, I'm going to write a song, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Riffs, riffs are not necessarily songs. <laughs> um, so, so it was challenging leading up to it. And then um, Jay wasn't very present during the pre-production phase. So pre-production is kind of like after you write your songs, you do a couple months of like 
you're showing up every day and you're, you're working out your drum parts, you're working out the vocal parts, you're sort of tightening everything up and making sure it all, you know, works together. Um, I think Jay came to pre-production, which was like two months long, like four times. And he, uh, he's like, ah, well, you know, let's take care of it in the studio that I own and, you know, getting paid for every day. <laughs> but, um, points. So yum, then, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that when we actually got in the studio, right, the way that we recorded the drums, um, was, you know, there's the, the control room with, with the board and the computer. And then there's the, the larger room with the whole band set up and they're playing, um, while the drummer's tracking drums and then I'm in a, in a separate vocal booth and we're all, so we're all playing at the same time. So everybody can hear the song and like, what's, what's going on. And one of Jay's biggest things, and I think rightfully so that this is a good choice to make. And it's something that we have you know learned and incorporated into what we're doing, like the drums and the vocals should match and play off each other, right? The drums are driving the thing and people are listening to the vocals. The whole song should be sort of surging in the same kind of direction. So day one, you know, Mark's tracking his drums and say this charitably, Mark's not great with feedback in general, but you have feedback about the songs you've been working on for a year. And then, you know, the feedback is coming from Jay, our two managers, the engineer, my vocal coach. There's two runners in the room. There's a guitar tech. There's a drum tech. You know, there's 10 adult men who do this for a living that are not fucking around with these, you know, 17 year olds. And they're like, no, your drum part's wrong. And you got to play it like this and you got to do this. So it was, so that was kind of that first, the actual recording itself was really bumpy because there was a lot of headbutting um, early on with, with the drums. Um, it got a little bit easier as we went on because after the drums were laid down, it was just about, you know, getting the songs done and getting it down. So to answer your question, it's a long way to say it was a challenge to actually do the recording at various phases of it. There are things, I think, because it took it took a long time to, again, because, you know, just sort of our age and our inexperience. I wish the mix was a little more intentional. It, feel, it feels very much like he used a particular batch of settings on each one of the songs right like the mm -hmm. guitars this is how jay does guitars right. this is how he does drums and this is how he does vocals and it felt like every song got the same treatment little adjustments here and there but i, I don't think there was a lot of care put into how it was mixed you know because like when you listen to like a, a you know particularly three dollar bill y'all or a deftones record like every part of the song that's important is up front and center and then it goes away and it's like there's just this this perfect harmony there mm -hmm. of the, the way that the, the sound is, is woven together as opposed to like this was just like these are the guitars these are the drums these are the bass and then here it is so you can but, get these are the bum garter yeah. presets and yeah. go guys and it yeah. may not be the step of sound per se as it is the the, these are the jake bum presets for this song on recording mm. yeah okay. yeah and two, like, you know, having just written these songs or some sometimes like finishing the lyrics the morning of writing, waiting up to the very last minute, you figure out this, the song like takes on a personality when you've played it at shows. And we hadn't played any of these songs live. Mm -hmm. So there was that sort of piece to it, too. So bittersweet. But then but then again, it sounds it does sound really good. The drums do sound really good. The guitar mm -hmm. sound really good. The bass sounds good. The vocals sound good. Like it all sounds good. It mm -hmm. just, you know. 
I understand. I understand what you mean. With this one, I wrote down, you know, especially knowing that you're, you're teenagers, this is, you know, a song of defiance. You know, we don't listen to you anyway. I can get behind that. It's also a very new metal sentiment. Which oh, I appreciate. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I enjoyed the chug on the song as well. I think the big thing, though, was that, yeah, I was really into those, that the scratching textures from Chaz. Very into mm-hmm. that. Matt, how'd you feel about that? I love that chorus. Uh, that chorus, to me, seems like very of the time. It's like, you, I don't hear a lot of that now in modern pop music or in modern mm-hmm. rock music, where it's like, it's like I don't know anything about production, even though we've been producing this show for so long. But it like sounds like you're double, you're doubled. It sounds like you're singing two different parts, and then your the counterpart in the guitar is like when the chorus hits, like during the verses, it's a little discordant. It's a little you're against it, which is a song mm-hmm. about defiance. So it's like. It, it's locked in there but when we get to the chorus and they kind of meld together it's like feels very locked in like yeah mm-hmm. okay like yeah. when we get there it's just like this to me and like these are like i could see where they were going like these are radio friendly songs like this yeah if i heard this i would have been like yeah this this is very much mm-hmm. locked in like this is what i am hearing also from you know other bands like when you said incubus again it's like yeah, that vibe, that kind of vibe is carrying through. Like, yeah, we're very, very much of a place, you know, like California has a sound, like, and especially if you're playing the shows around there, like, you get to have that vibe and that thing that works there in a way. Like, we're from the Detroit area. So, like, there's a definitely distinct, if you were here in 2001, literally everybody wanted to sound like the White Stripes. It's like, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there wasn't, there was 700 bands that were just like, we're in the garage too. Like, oh, yeah. I can I, make this sound like absolute dog shit. I had, I had, <laughs> I had, I had, terrible. I had <laughs> stacks of those in the college station. Stacks. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Every single one, they were just like, how can we make it? It was like, yeah, like we're going to take a picture of the band and then we're going to wash it in a washing machine and then we're going to throw a bunch of extra filters on it. So you look at it, you're like, I think that's a man with bangs. I don't know. I don't know. And then, and then, yeah, they're called they, the Detroit Cobras. The Detroit Cobras. <laughs> yeah. this, that's whirlwind heat. Yeah, that's, we're all oh, whirlwind heat. Ah, oh, yeah. yeah that, those are the Von Bondies. Those yeah. are the. Like, I remember that whirlwind heat album sounding like trash. I think it was literally. I think that was recorded in a can. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, the fact yeah, that it I, came to my head right now. Yeah, those. Yeah, they were. You know what though? Those guys were about style. Oh yeah, they were about vibe. And I think they were probably about uh, avoiding eye contact. I think that was about. But oh, I think yeah, was, yeah, yeah, we can't swoopy bangs. Uh, out of yeah, my face. You can't see. You can't see a thing. Yeah. Tough, um, tough and drive. Yeah. yeah. Songmeanings.com. CKY ninety six. They're back. Oh, thank God. Teen rebellion at its finest. I didn't wait. I did not get murdered in the last. <laughs> I'm still laughing. Content. <laughs> uh, teen rebellion at its finest. Basically saying, no matter what you say, I'll find my way. Are you right? I guess we'll find out when we get there. Until then, I'm going to go my own way and live all I can while I'm still young because you don't lose, you win, or you learn. Or I'm just sleep-deprived and making shit up. Who knows? Twist ending. Twist. Well, now we go sleep-deprived. That makes sense. They fell asleep. That's why they didn't give us the thing. They were... Another thing about this... That turkey. Yeah. That turkey. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. Song. Ah, I, I, think they, I think they love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. I I really hope that um, when you guys put the new record out and you take uh you know do some shows on the road that someone approaches you and goes, 
It's me, CKY96. I'm here. I'm here. I never left. I never left. I woke up and I'm here at your show. We can just cuddle and then they can sell our merch. There, there you go. There you go. CKY96, hit them up. All right. Next up, we've got free. Let me see them lighters, okay? Got to see them lighters. Gotta slow it down a bit. Gotta, Gotta slow it down and get a little moody. We got some beeps and boops going on, um, which did remind me of the beeps and boop effects on the, the very end of the first Queens of the Stone Age album. I think, I think it's like I wish I was a teenage hand model. I think is the song. Mm. I don't know. That was that was my reference point there. But we got some hands in the air. Good placement, I thought. We're keeping things interesting. And I wrote down this lyric. Write a song, blow away, stupid words on empty page, sold a son, when it comes, everyone needs to every. I don't know if that's a misprint on songmeetings.com. But that's what, that's what I said. It's what he says. Okay. <laughs> perfect. 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 And um, but this one felt a little spiritual to me, which then I don't want to take this to the boards, but Oh, is Steppa Christian band? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> All right, no. get off the boards. Get, get off, off the, the board. boards. They're not grand opening, grand, grand closing. closing. All right, new, new, new material. Uh, take a firm stance. It's oh. <laughs> <laughs> out front. Yeah. Nothing left to the imagination <laughs> on the new material. <laughs> no, they're not doing. No, no. Uh, beautiful. Um, I, so my question is: This a song about the creative process? think this was a song about not taking opportunities when they come and sort of just letting things kind of go by and it's easier not to and um i think that was it i think it had to do with like a relationship or a girl that i had a crush on a lot of these songs have to do with girls i had a crush on there you go there we go yeah and tough to yeah Blake, were you able to parlay any of this into like, hey, what's going on? I'm doing a show. I'm the lead singer of a band. And they like came to the show. Did that? Did you ever work that out? So fun fact about me, I was, uh, I was very heavy until I was about 13 or 14. And then I went, like we started playing shows and I was like, if I'm going to be in front of people, I want to lose some weight. Um, and I lost like 70 pounds because you could do that when you're 14. It's yeah. really easy. Mm-hmm. Um but I had that awkward kid energy because I didn't, you know, just those social experiences you have when you're a, a heavier kid. Um, oh, so yeah. I familiar with and him. looking back, like I'm looking at pictures and I was like, you fool. And like the girls that would come up and 
I can remember the invitations I was given, the subtle invitations that were given, and then me just not having the, like, oh, someone's talking to me. That's cool. <laughs> um, um, hence, you know, song song like this, like just not not being able to quite quite connect the dots. Mm. Um, so, I wish that I had. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there you I, go. I, yeah, yeah. I get it. We get I it. Get it. We get when it. I, it was so obvious that my mom went, that girl likes you. And I was like, nah, no, she no. there is no way. And now she's yeah. your wife. And she is not. No. <laughs> yeah. In, in junior, I didn't meet my wife in junior high school. I love to say that, though. It's just fun to say. It's not true, but it's fun to say. Okay. All right, Blake, yeah. we're going to give you the full Roach Coach experience here. And, All right. Um, so number one. What you are doing right now is the bravest thing that anybody on earth has possibly done on this show. You have written something in your teens and you are sharing it as an adult with two adults, which is fucking as a 39 ter- year old man. Yeah. Yeah. Which is <laughs> fucking terrifying. Did you realize that you could replace the beginning lyrics with Spider Man? Oh boy. So get ready. Okay. 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 All right. This is, I I didn't know about this one. Okay. Here we go. So by the way, uh, the the rules hold true. This is truly the first time that I've heard this song. First time I've heard the album. He's listened to it three times. Uh, More than actually more than three times. And this is the first time I'm hearing it. All right. Here we go. I'm about to ruin a song for you. Probably. Okay. Here we go. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, is he human or is he man? Spider-Man. It hit me like it went right through my brain. That's perfect. (laughs) I was like, "Uh uh-oh, oh no. And then I played the game of, am I going to share this? And I'm like, I have to share this. This is is a comment I would totally make during the show. This is honestly, you know what? Steal from the best. Steal from the best. Steal from the best. <laughs> no, we're, we're being vulnerable. We're being open. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm terms of this. Yeah, and I'm being vulnerable because there was a part of me that was like, "Don't say fucking word." This is very nice that you're on the show. It's a real gift. It's great. Ah, uh, well, that so so this and is. You know it's, oh, sorry, guys. It's funny that half of being on tour is just sitting in the bus and doing that with the rest of the songs. Just making up bullshit lyrics. Because if you can't make up a bullshit lyric to a song, the song, the melody, or the the rhythm, or whatever, isn't catchy enough, right? That's that's the test. If you can do yeah. it, that's, mm. so, yeah, that's right. what it is. I mean, it might be the Weird Al Yankovic rule. You know, that's how you know it's indelible. Because Al Yankovic heard it and was like, "I can throw something on this." Called Dirty Al. <laughs> dirty, oh, dirty. Do we want to bust up Dirty Al during this episode, man? Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, so over on songmeanings.com, there are two comments. The first is from February 13th, 2008. That's right. The day before Valentine's day. Wow. This is from stoked. And this was downvoted. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very depressing song. I think it's about a person who's finally at the end of their rope. They has nowhere to go, no way to escape. Everything they do seems to be wrong, but at the same time, they seem to feel good about what they're doing, even though they know it's not right. We all feel this way at some point in our lives, and it's a terrible feeling. That was downvoted. Now, you might say, who would have downvoted this? <laughs> I think we all know. It was CKY96, oh, who 
Ben showed up. You can see who downloaded? Yeah, they are. You can see who downloaded. They downloaded it. Yeah. Um, ten years ten later. Years later. With an, I don't think so. Oh yeah, and also I looked it up. Yeah, this what this dude posted all these comments on Thanksgiving Day. Awesome. <laughs> it's been on his to do list for a while. Amazing. What's he, he got doing? around to it? He Here we co- are, literally five years later. <laughs> finally hidden there I, I like that he was just like i gotta get in there he's like i don't care if this is grandma's last thanksgiving i gotta i gotta comment on step up uh yeah. cky 96 rolled in said the narrator finds out he's living a lie and he just wants to carry on in that lie for as long as possible because he was happier then he's in denial they tried so hard and got so far but in the end it doesn't even matter mm. because it was all a lie and he obviously not exactly happy about it how did these two very disparate comments hit you, Blake? I feel for the guy in the first one if he's been there, right? Mm-hmm. So we all mm-hmm. we all get sad. Life oh, is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No matter who you are, life is not always easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I. It was just a bit more innocent than all that. Mm-hmm. I think that's another thing too. When you're writing a song, how much work the instruments and the notes are doing that emotionally that the lyrics might not do you know i mean because there's been some things i've written and then like i get emotional listening to it but i was like you're having a more emotional reaction to your song than the event itself you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure absolutely i mean it yeah like i said it all comes down to yeah like your lyrics saved me and i yeah i wrote it in a half an hour you know i just was just knocking that out you know but it's or or the other way where it's like i'm gonna connect because this is personal and this is me i'm connecting to this in a way that I don't even, it might not bear the weight of which I am putting on it because it's from me. Like, mm-hmm, right. it means something way more to me because we made it. Mm-hmm. That type of thing happens yeah. too. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. And also, then there's also those songs you hear where the person's like, you can feel it like bearing their soul. And you're just like, you should have kept that to yourself. I don't need that. <laughs> or then you're driving your car like and Jimmy Eat's World's The Middle comes on and you start crying out of nowhere. And you're like, why is this song making me cry? Well, did it make you cry because it's so incredibly overplayed? Uh, well, there is that part. <laughs> uh, again. Uh, like, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> honestly, if I hear the middle, I'm just like, can we not? Can I, can yeah. I you know? You know. Uh, clear channel. Change your algorithm. <laughs> Listen, I feel like we're at a point as a country, as a people, that we can shift out the middle and put in the sweetness. Okay. Can we? Can we? I feel like, you know what? Here's the thing. I feel like you can do anything, okay? And I feel like they're, these people put themselves in this position. They should just have a meeting Monday morning. Hey, swap out the middle, put in the sweetness. And I don't think anybody, I don't think a single person's going to be mad about it. There's probably going to be a couple people going to go, oh, I've never heard this song before. And they'll be a better person for it. That's yeah. a, I guess that's a little Jimmy at World Corner. All right. Up next, we got an acronym. It's P-L-U. Oh, yeah. We're scratching. We're riffing. Oh, yeah. Oh, 
I will say, knowing now that you were 16, 17, 18 when you made this album, the lyric, observe the trash can depository, makes a lot of sense. You were like, I got to get this done. What is that? Let me tell you, when you're writing lyrics, do you have... Do, do you have anything? Do you carry like a dictionary, thesaurus, anything with you? Like, or you just sit down with like a blank pad and just go? Like, what, what's your process? This record process was just sit down with a blank pad and hope clever lines come up and then try to stitch them all together at the end. Okay. Not a good process. The process now is here's a body of music or, um, you know, I'm walking through the house and something pops into my head and it's as quickly as I can. What what's a story that can be told with this? And it's sort of about having an endpoint in mind and then working towards that. Okay. So yeah, struggled with the English language a bit like you do as one does. But, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a tough language of all the languages to learn. You know, you know, it's the only one I know and I'm still, I, you know, yeah. I got, I got a text the other day about how I pronounced a word on this very show. Whoa. What word? Oh, um, the city of Belfast. Apparently, I said it a different way. And the text, you said Belfast. This, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh. So Matt. So apparently, you've been sitting on this too. Okay. Oh, All right. Well, yeah, please let me. Wasn't going to say anything. Let me grind the show to all <laughs> to be the guy. <laughs> you know, like I thought you were really putting some flavor on. I it. was. I was putting some real flavor on it. But if I'm getting these texts about it, like. Yeah, I'll just say it was actually texting me, and she goes, "The way you said Belfast was wild, <laughs> wild." I was like, "All right, I'm just having some fun over here, you know. I just I, I could say these words normal as hell, or I could put a little spin on it. All right, I'm influenced by what I listen to. All right, and what I'm listening to is new metal all the time. <laughs> <laughs> new metal nonstop, nonstop new." Uh, this song I wrote crunch scratching new metal baby and then it speeds up yeah very into this one there's a crunch into scratch solo into a scream section uh, yeah. with some guitar noise actually let's take a listen to that Matt. it's All over right. at 150 yeah, it's a good one That was a fun one, yeah. That's oh awesome. yeah. So, yeah. um, as you as you finish up the new album, I mean, are you are, are you thinking about shows? Are you thinking about that part? Doing this again live? Probably not. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I would. I would love to. I think there's only maybe two of us that could actually do it. Like, okay. and I don't. I don't mean from a playing perspective. I mean from like a just the bandwidth, the time. Um, mm-hmm. two dudes like you know have their own company another guy works like 60 70 hours a week you know i got a full-time gig i could probably swing it but but i'm the singer right yeah. right yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah i shall never say never because i would i would love to do it it'd be an absolute blast it'd be it'd be hard <laughs> on this almost 40 year old body 
to right. throw down like we threw down on, you mm-hmm. know. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I, I listen to this and I'm just like, man, are you kidding me? Get this in front of a hot crowd? Yeah. Hot crowd? Yeah. This is our opener every night. Ah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And then, and then that, that scream part in the bridge, the all the same side on the same side. That was me and then the backing guitar player. So we just had a nice back and forth thing, getting the crowd all hyped up. It was that was a blast. Oh, that's yeah. nice. I heard this and I was like, this one rips. This one gets the crowd going. There was a part of me that was like, oh, I wish you would have had two months just to play this in front of a live audience prior to getting in the studio. Because it's mm-hmm. like, it's dialed in. It's so dialed in. And it's like, mm-hmm. to have it to have it even more tested when you went into the studio, I think like, because then you would have known like, oh, we all know that we need to push as hard as we can here, which you probably figured out after you know, the fifth time playing it live in front of the people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, the acronym PLU. What does it stand for? People like you. <sighs> Misspell. Ooh, yeah. people, people like, like you. you. Ah, yeah, that's right. Love it. In that course, though, the people would have gone to the boards again. <laughs> Step up, a yeah, Christian. Christian, I'm a Christian man. Yeah. Right, this little light of mine, that is light. What did that to myself? Yeah. We, we read a review one time and they quoted that as the worst lyric on the album. <laughs> the mediocre what? lyrics. That wow. that one the worst. Wow. I was like, good thing I didn't know what mediocre meant. I thought it was like a mediocre, like it was a genre. That's right. And so I just, I was like, yeah, man, I'm mediocre. <laughs> I love it. I need this bit to open up right now. We are mediocre. Mediocre. <laughs> I love it. Um, guys, let's go to Thanksgiving Day 2018. Uh, CKY96 is here. I think this song is him calling out people who take more than they need, much more than they'll use, and he doesn't want to share with dumb motherfuckers. Why? Because they already have more than they need, much more than they'll use. But he knows at the end of the day, They'll all be cool, just like a Rubik's Cube. I don't know about you, but these lyrics are going into my new metal canon. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I, if correct me if I'm wrong, you are wearing a Rubik's Cube shirt. Are you not? I had to get dressed up. Look, you got to own it. Look at that. You're going to be in a mediocre band. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta wear your lyrics. You know what I mean. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh! Uh, just imagine this. He's just pounding them keys. Meanwhile, downstairs, like, come downstairs. Your aunt and uncle are leaving. He's like, no, no, no. Every song gets a comment. Every song. It's important. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, all right. Up next, we've got. This is the one. This was the single. It got a music video, which I cannot wait to talk about. It's spaceships and airplanes.
So this one, very moody. Uh, lots of interesting beeps and boops on this song. With uh, regards to Chaz's uh, contributions to this, and then we, I guess we should mention Chaz, uh, Sally did pass away last year. Was he, I mean, were these like at the end, in the middle of the process? How were, how were his uh, contributions added to songs as far as like the effects and what have you? Yeah, it was, it was closer to the end. So, you know, drums guitars bass and then it was kind of both of us going back and forth i like to track at night um and so he'd come down during the day i think and do his scratching parts and then i would come in at night and record the vocals yeah yeah okay Uh, and there's a lot of scott borland on this one too and you gotta you know sit and listen but there's just you know pads sort of just in the background like a single note like a string note or like a choral sound or something nice kind of woven throughout a, a lot of the songs but i feel like that was more impactful in this song. Mm. That yeah. yeah. I definitely see why it was uh, tapped as a single. I mean, this feels like something that was slotted in very nicely in radio. Another, another, I wrote my notes, chorus is in the pocket. It's right there. The riff is tasty. I'm using all the technical terms that you'd use for these things. I'm sure, I'm sure I brought this up before and I know I, I tried to ask Will Putney about it and he gave me this sort of like a weird answer. I was just like, you know, I love the idea of just being in there and be like, this riff, tasty. This is a tasty riff. And I just love the idea. Like, if I was making an album, that's what I'd be like. Use the tasty riffs. Did you guys have any shorthand like that in the studio? No, it was use that riff that goes dun and dun and dun. That makes more sense. your hands, they might get it. Yeah. yeah, that makes more sense. So there's one comment the song means a little serious. I guess you can clear this up. This is a different, it's CKY96, but it's from July 30th, 2021. So he rolled back in and he said that this song is about your little brother who passed away in a car accident. Yes. Okay. All right. So CKY96 really did their research here. Probably texted me or something on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So this is, I would say, then I guess a, a little bit more, a little bit more serious than I think some of the other ones that you said were sort of just like about like girls and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So, so you just, uh, was that like a fairly recent when you were making the album or, I mean, I don't know how much you want to no, talk about I, that or not, but uh, yeah, 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 this is, this is what those improv shows were for the mm-hmm. laundromat, the bar behind the pool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, I was nine and he was seven. Oh, oh wow. And we were in, uh, we were in the same car together. Um, and Yeah. And there was a car accident. No, uh, yeah. I don't. No. I don't remember too too much of it. Um, but it was, yeah, definitely 
you know, looking back, like such a formative experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So no, no. Yeah. It was a lot of these songs. Like I listen back to them and it's like, there's this sense of being an outsider or needing, or like, like I know better than the system or the system is not working or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, obviously a lot of that would come from that experience, right? You've had this tragic thing happen to you and nobody else gets it. And you're sort of being in the world and you're nine and you're like, not your brain's not even done really like gelling yet. Right. Um, so you're just, you know, um, so yeah, that's what that song is about is yeah. that experience. And that was, that was definitely something that I had always like being new metal and being semi voyeuristic as it is. It was always something that I wanted to write a song about. And then the guitar player came up with the boom, da bam, da boom, da bam, da bam, da bam, that, that mm-hmm. intro riff. Um, and then, yeah, that was one of those ones where it's like, okay, I have an idea. And then I sat down the lyrics, maybe 15 minutes. And that was one of the bank. Yeah. 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 There you go. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I like this one a lot. Uh, like I said, very, very much in the pocket with that chorus. Um, and I think we were talking about a little bit more choruses earlier. I think what it is also is that like nowadays it seems like, because of, I mean, I really put it down to that, the Blurred Lines case, that everyone is so afraid of, like, ripping off something familiar, that they're going in these, like, minor chord or, like, different directions that leads to things that are inherently, like, less catchy or harder to become catchy. Because, like, hearing, like, I'll go through, like, the Apple Music, like, new song release, whatever, and I was like can a motherfucker write a chorus anymore? Can a motherfucker write a chorus anymore? And it's like, apparently not for fear of either lack of skill or fear of being sued that it sounds too much like something else. Although at this point, everything sounds like everything. So right. let's talk about the music video. I did find it on YouTube. I'm just going to point this out. It was not lovingly preserved. It is very pixelated. I watched it like a hawk to make out what I could. This is what I got. Um, I could, I could see Blake. I could see you. I could see your dreads. I could see you singing. Uh, there's some shots of the band playing. There are people, possibly the band. I don't know. Running around in a playground equipment, uh, people in hoodies standing on a cliff by the water, a bunch of shots of a cross and silhouette. So I did write in parentheses, Christian band question mark, get to the boards, get to the boards. And then last shot is people putting flowers and plants across a cross, possibly a gravestone, which based on what you said fits thematically that's about all i could really see can you talk us through like the music video yeah it was kind of the idea was just telling a story the the three kids were you know friends like high school friends um and the idea was that there was a story arc there where they're all playing together and then at the end of the video there's only two of them we shot that our our sound guy was our manager's i think brother-in-law he shot that with us or so my, myself and him we went around and we shot all those shots of like people at the playground and you know i was you know living in this area so i knew where, where stuff was it would look look good for the shots and then he it's actually kind of a bummer he you know says 90 or 2002 ish so like he got all these shots and he's compiling it and he's he's making the video <clears throat> on the on the tour bus um and he's like, it's all done. It looks great. And he's making the final like bounce and the power goes out and he like loses the whole video. Like it fried his, it fried his computer. It just the whole thing. And so the remaining footage was only stuff that wasn't in the first video. So like this video was just made up of the B roll 
from oh. the first video and it was such a bummer oh. i remember yeah he was like crying he was so sad it was it was a it was rough oh my gosh whoa wow yeah. whoa <laughs> damn you're like son of a oh god wow my One gosh thing yeah that's, that's wow that's that's that is that is wild. yeah that that would that'd be a rough day that's I, I would probably cry too because mm. i have filmed very few things and all i can say is filming things is a start to finish pain in the ass it is yeah there's nothing joy there's, there's like you have to turn it on for the camera but it is a lot of hurry up and wait a lot of yeah. do we got it do we got it we don't got it all right we gotta do it again mm. yeah yeah, and living living near LA, like knowing people that work in film, you know, not not famous people, but like people that you know mm-hmm. do the camera work and do this. It's like, oh, you work in, you know, you work in movies. That must be that must be fun. And they're like, I'll fucking stab you. How dare you? You know? <laughs> <laughs> do you do you like carrying things for a long time with nobody caring about? Yeah. How, nobody having a concern about how you feel. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, boy. like that last shot where they're they're standing there crouched by the, you know, that was a slow motion or a, a time lapse. So they're standing there like crouching down for maybe 25 minutes, just quad screaming, you know. Oh my god. Ugh. Wow. The thing the things you do for art. The things you do for art. Not even a joke, just being sincere. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the yeah. things you do for art. Like, um, go on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right. We're back in it. Uh, this song is called King of the Fuss. We haven't he- we haven't heard enough of the rapping yet on this album. I feel like so let's head over to one twenty five. the whole fucking thing man (laughs) we can't listen to the whole (laughs) oh my gosh i wrote okay i'll start here i wrote all caps oh shit we got a monster riff all right this thing is slithering like it don't give a fuck you get this on a playlist that playlist can only be called crushers because this is a fucking crusher the crunch in this chorus i wrote this is what it's all about people and i said this song it has it all Crunchy riff. Crunchy riff. Rapping. 
Ripity raps. Scratching. Oh. Screaming. <laughs> Those are all the things the song needs. What else do you need? I guess it has some singing too. But I mean, this is what you need. This is what you want. When you slow it down, and later on, they slow it down. You slow it down to 215. And I wrote in my notes, murder. It's yeah. murder. And I know, I know just a few songs ago, I was like, are you guys thinking about touring? You're like, no, we're too old. Schedules don't work. I don't know. Just send that group text, man. Just say, guys, King of the Fuss, imagine playing that live. One more time. One more time. That riff. That riff. My God. Ah. Blake, King of the Fuss. Yeah. Everything about that song was fun. Yeah. I, I want to say, so you, you dropped some F-bombs on the album, not overly too many but you've got a few was there any discussion about the fact of like i mean because at the time i mean having those perfectly placed fucks on a new metal record as we know money in the bank money in the bank was there any discussion as far as like don't swear do swear if you swear it's going to limit you in some way is that ever a discussion at all there was a little bit because we did talk about that the 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 new metal thing of you know saying a line and you build it up and then you, you go for it, you know? And I didn't listen to anything that anybody said. So I just did what I wanted anyways. Sure. But there was like, don't curse too much because you know, then they won't sell it at Kmart or they won't sell it at right. Best Buy mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, so there was like an awareness of that and you can't say anything about religion. Like you just can't. And I did anyways though, but that's the thing is I, I did anyways. I don't know if I had any intentionality behind that. I just kind of, you know, if it called for it, it called for it. And if it didn't, mm-hmm. it didn't, sure. you know, mm-hmm. wasn't, yeah. Wasn't tr- trying to do anything either way. Right. But that song needed some fucks in it. It was too heavy. Yeah. Oh yeah. It yeah. No fucks. It needed, you know, <laughs> gotta have some fucks <laughs> when you're that heavy. Even you're a super heavy song and it has no fucks on it. I mean, it's like, come on, what are we doing here? So with the new material you're working on, is that fuck heavy, mid fuck heavy, no fucks? What's the fuck status? Of the, <laughs> we need a sweet fuck status. I need a quick fuck status. New. Fuck status is, I would say, 50% more than this. Mm. There's more. Okay. The songs, the songs on the record, are, you know, you, you, you live 20 years longer. You, you get some bumps and bruises. You uh, experience some things, and you uh not happy about all of them. So mm. some uh, so some genuine, genuine fucks to give on that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would say being 17, 18, 19 and saying like, oh, motherfucker is different from when you're in your car and you're really mad about something and you scream motherfucker when you're 41. Very. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, When it's got years behind it. It's got years behind it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I say fuck now. My dog's like, like, hey, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, I'm sure you echo my feelings on King of the Fuss. Oh, I love this. I love this. I do want to I want to bring up because when you said it earlier, I was like without context of the album, you said, you know, when I when we left the band and I was leaving the band or you actually said when they asked me to leave the band, mm-hmm. what I was re- what I realized later is I had a couple of parts locked in. But when it was like to be Evanescence or to be Chester, I wasn't there. And I, I, up until this point in the album, this was the first time that I kind of heard like, you fucking killing the raps, killing the screams, killing that mm-hmm. like mid let's fucking go stuff. But that was the first time in the in the singing parts where I was like, this is what he's to me. Again, yeah. this is me projecting, but it's like th- 
okay, I know what he's saying here because it's like they would have gone up, you know, they yeah. would have they would yeah. have gone yeah. up more with this to, because it's like it's so heavy. We need the up, but it's just like this is my pocket and this is where I am right now. But it's like in that kind of like I got a little distance and it's like we would have been able to do that. Then we could have paid play with the tension more. And if I could play with the tension more, then it's like the audience is engaged in a way that I can't get them right now, yeah. but I know I can get them with screams and I know I can get them with this, but then yeah. I'm fucking yeah. tired by the end of the song when I'm doing it live <laughs> because I'm screwing my yeah. face off. Yeah. It starts here and it ends here and in the middle and the end on oh, the end. Cause it breaks down. It's maybe a little here, but the most of the song is just that, that yeah. same spot. Yeah. staying there. Mm. Um, and it, it also, I don't, what bugs me about the recording of this song was how, like you can hear in the raps in the end, I'm like winded and out of breath. And like, so the way that it worked for this record um, was that like when you record your vocals, you just go in there and sing the song seven, eight times. And then they sort of pick the lines that have the most attitude and the, the, the greatest pieces. And like, this was a hard song. It's a heavy song, a lot of energy. And I'm like, you could hear that I'm getting winded and they decided to keep some of those winded takes instead of just having me retrack it. So it's a little little bit of a bummer um, mm. from that. And our our guitar player too, he was playing on, because Jay liked the way that this guitar sounded, like an old school Les Paul guitar that was not set up for this drop A tuning. Yeah. So like for the whole album, every time he did a take, it's like do one take, then tune, then do a take, then tune. And it, that's pretty common, but it was like the guitar would just go out of tune so fast that he couldn't, he couldn't dig into the strings and he couldn't play hard. Like our, our guitar player was, he's, he's a shredder. He's really, really good. Um, yeah. I don't, play. I don't it's think of like that type of guitar is like, yeah. yeah. And so like, you don't get that girl, 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 like that. When you listen to a soul fly record and he just slamming the shit out of his strings mm. and you can, you can hear him warble. I think it's missing a little bit of that too. Yeah. Mm, Less yeah. Les Paul is not a shredder's guitar in my mind. Like, no, no, it's like, <laughs> no, get a Jackson, yeah. get something else. Like, what do we yeah. do? All right. That's how much I know about guitars right there. But that's, the... that's a little bit more than I know, Matt. And that was uh, Shred Talk. Oh, a little Shred Talk. Shred... Love Ooh. a little Shred Talk. Guys, let's go to a time when, say, your face is smeared with cranberry sauce and <laughs> perhaps you have some stuffing on your shirt. And you've decided you've got to go to songmeetings.com to talk about Steppa. Uh, CKY96 said, this is possibly their most relatable song. It's essentially a diss track towards himself that doesn't make him sound like he wants to die. Almost like he accepts the way he is. Like, yeah, I'm fussy. I'm the king of the fuss. What do you make of this analysis, Blake? (laughs) So this song was, uh, again, hearkening back, this is about me not knowing how to talk to girls. King of the Fuss, there was, in our neighborhood, there was a guy that would yell at the kids because the way his house was, it was kind of like in between the neighborhood and the grocery store. So the kids would go through the grocery store and cut through his house. And he was um, from somewhere in the Middle East and say, you fuss, you fuss, you fuss, which was like, you farts or you shits. Mm. Um, And so... We started calling each other like you're a fussy, you know, mm. trying to kind of clean it up a little bit. Mm. Uh, what a fuss. Uh, and then, uh, so just king of being a coward. That was like the, ah. the fuss. So it wasn't fuss. Like, I'm, you know. Ah, I see. I see. I but see. How would you know that? 
How would we know? How would anybody know that? How would anybody know that? That's CKY know that. Yeah, exactly. Somewhere Nardwar is like, I knew it. Yep, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) And here's the neighbor. Yeah, Uh, exactly. Those uh, fucking kids. Yep. Uh, All right, here we go. Up next, we've got Nicklo. So first of all, I'm, I better see those hands in the fucking air on this chorus. Okay, Please. I need to see if they're not in the air, they better be holding the beer. Okay, but even then, I'd say the beer's done. You got to put them hands in the air. Okay, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm always talking about beer safety at these shows, <laughs> and the thing is that if a chorus like this kicks in and you've got a beer, it's done. It's over. You got to get another one because that one's gonna be gone. You got to get them hands in the air. This is my favorite chorus on the album. I love it. I love the simplicity of it. Um, knowing what I know now, what you've told us about girls and stuff like that. I mean, this this actually has money in the bank. Like you invite, like you know, like Cheryl, come to the step a show, and then like you fucking like rock this one out and be like, "This is for a special somebody tonight." Oh, and then you drop yeah. drop this one. Oh man, you kidding me? Cheryl might stick around afterwards, or she might leave early. I don't know. You never know. Putting people on the spot like that. I don't know how we all feel about yeah. public public displays, like a public proposal. Those are tough. Sometimes you're like, this is beautiful, and sometimes yeah. you're like, I don't want to see that. How do you feel about that, Blake? Public proposals. Like a marriage proposal? Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. For this song? Ooh. Could you see somebody getting married to this song? I've seen people. Yeah, you see people do all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I could see it. You could strip it down do mm-hmm. the, with a vitamin string quartet version of it. Oh, yeah. Damn. A nice, sultry. Mm-hmm. You know you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that yeah. a lot. I want to let you know what you are to me. Mm-hmm. And maybe we could. Well, I did. Yeah. I, did I did. I mean, <laughs> this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to get to talk about these lyrics here. So I'm just going to ask about these lyrics here. Reach into me, cosmic wake, dropping anchor. I broke the chain. Tongue and lips, we found our place, hold perfection, slid away. Blake, are we talking about doing it? <laughs> we're, we're, we're talking about doing it and then it not working out. Mm. A little bit of like, oh, man. Mm. I, couldn't, I couldn't let him rip my dick off. I couldn't. Oh, that's true. That's true. You that's true. true. You're true. You did it. You, you did, did it. Yeah. You, you did, did it. You did it. That's right. Uh, yeah. Uh, songmeetings.com. We got two comments. Stoked is back. March 28th, 2008. Said, call me crazy, but this sounds like a love song. Definitely singing about a girl. A perfectly fine, very nice comment. True. November 22nd, 2018. CKY96 responds to this. You're fucking crazy. 
There's no way it's a love song. What could possibly give you that idea? Sheesh, some people in the internet, winky face emoji. This person is real. This is real. (laughs) That's what you riffing? This is real. This is real. It's real as it gets. Real as it gets. CKY ninety six. What what was that house like I, on that Thanksgiving? Oh, uh, very much avoiding the family that day. Oh my lord, amazing. Yeah. Um, he was in that space where he was full, but he still wanted pumpkin pie, and he was kind of a little mad about how full he was. You know? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. And then he decided, to, yeah. And he was rolling through. He's commenting. He sees this. The stoked is there already. Yep. And he's like, oh, I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get a little. I'm gonna be a little mischievous here. A little wild. Okay, I think I think if we're if we're ready, then um, this is the song I've been really waiting to talk about. It's called right. Mountain. Like I think you know where I'm going with this. Is this a song about making a pact with your friends that you might have to have sex or you're gonna have to cut your dick off? <laughs> it's whatever you want to be like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was so funny listening to this song in my car when I was doing my car listens, and the, the ha 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 part came out. I'm like, that's a little unhinged. This guy's like running wild. I can't wait to dive into these lyrics, see what's going on. And then I read these lyrics, and it's like Feel it pulch, watch it grow. When it explodes, when is it my turn to explode? I, you know, I was like, <laughs> and then you tell me you were 17. It's a bad look. <laughs> Admit. Or it's a great look for this show. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was, I loved, I loved that. So you said like with the vocals, you're doing six, seven, eight takes mm-hmm. uh, of a track with the, the ha ha ha. I mean, doing, any sort of like what I would call is like a forced laugh or not a natural laugh mm-hmm. that can be, it can sound forced. It can sound weird. Mm-hmm. I liked how it sounded on here because it sounds unhinged, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as Jenny said in the past, she doesn't believe in blue balls, but I believe that maybe is the, what we're trying to evoke maybe a little bit here, a little unhinged in that way. Was this always the way the haha went? Was the ha an ad lib? Talk to me the, about the haha. The haha was intentional. This song came it was one of the last two for me to finish. Like the music had been recorded. Like we're in NRG and there's thousands of dollars a day. And I'm like, I can't finish these songs. And like this one was, I just had this idea of that feeling of like, just anticipating something being done, looking forward to something. Um, but then it's, it's funny. This one 
was the hardest one for me to track vocally because the night that I did it, the engineer, I was, I was killing it that day. Like singing wise, my singing was on point. I was feeling really confident about that. And so I was like, okay, well I'll sing, you know, I'll sing the verses and then we'll come back later and we'll do the choruses. And the engineer's like, no, man, you got to scream the choruses. The vibe's not there. And then I'd sing it. And then he'd be like, all right. And like literally like 10 times, he was like, he would like, he was looking at a different computer and just hitting the space bar and just because I asked him to do it. And he was like, like mad. And then my vocal coach came in and said, what the fuck's going on, man? Are you like, James is super pissed at you. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just trying to do the song. And he's like, just humor him, scream. Um, and then, yeah, then I, I went through it again and I did all the screaming parts and, uh, and he was right. It sounded good and it sounded unhinged, but I think I was also a little frustrated at that point because it had been, you know, a couple hours of mm. us in the middle of this argument, me singing this happy song about, I'm so happy it's going to be over. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I wrote my notes. The haha is very wild and deranged sounding because, I mean, yeah, like I said, it could go very wrong, but it, it goes very right here, very much into that. Matt, how's your pact going? Uh, my pact is fine. You know, okay. I'm all doing right. all right. Okay, good deal. Yeah. All right, but, well, uh, you know, I love a song about preemptively throwing ropes, mm-hmm, like just, sure. just mm-hmm. waiting for the moment mm-hmm. to explode. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Songmeetings.com, CKY96, said, Seeing as the singer was fresh out of high school when this album was underway, I feel like this song is either about the anticipation to graduate or looking forward to stardom, because back then they were actually being looked at by major labels before deciding on a smaller one so they'd be prioritized. The line, feel it pulse, watch it grow, explodes when, means he basically anticipates the band's explosion into mainstream popularity, which unfortunately didn't happen. Thoughts, opinions on that? All, all the yeah, all the pieces of the timeline are there, but they're out of order. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it was it was just this idea of there's a. I think it was probably me channeling Bjork, the Icelandic singer. Mm-hmm. Uh, not sure if y'all partake. Oh I yeah, heard, oh yeah. You do okay, okay. So homogenic, you know that song? Great. Is Pluto? Yes. There's like that 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 bridge part where there's just like that pulsing thing she sings that that pattern over and over and over again and it just builds this intensity um i was such a fan of hers and trying to like how would because i was like scrambling for ideas i was like okay i what would bjork do on this song kind of approach mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that was a lot of it i think just being able to tap into that feeling and then like oh my god i did it and i nailed it and then the words came because i had figured out the melody that was going to work and i figured out the chorus that was going to work mm-hmm. yeah yeah, I I do like the idea of this being excited to graduate high school. I, yeah. I that that, that was, I, I was waiting to explode, waiting out to of explode out them doors, baby. Yeah, yeah. I've been excited to talk about this song all week, so this was very good. I'm very excited. Uh, very happy. Thank you. There's another version of this song tuned to drop D with completely different lyrics that we demoed. Mm. Right, so this is also like a last minute track like we need another song let's take that riff from that other song and put it in drop a and then add this part to it blah, blah, blah. oh um, yeah do you know what that song do you remember what that song was about like lyrically how it was different i think it was about climate change interesting mm. taking on the big issues taking on the big issues yeah yeah but then you were like mm. gotta talk about throwing ropes <laughs> <laughs> listen listen them trees will still be there it'll be yeah. fine I thought I was going to have to tear my dick off. This is <laughs> <next> priority. 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, How respectful of our time is this album? Uh, Matt, this album is 39 minutes long. Perfectly length. Was there any talk about length as far as like too short, too long? I mean, you said that you needed another song. So I guess that did come into play in that respect. I remember Jay saying at one point, he's like, your songs need to be as short as possible. And then he said like Drowning Pool record, 12 songs, it's 34 minutes or something like that. And that was like his stat. He's like, it's fine. It just got to be short. It's got to be done. Um, in terms of numbers of songs, we just did everything that we could. There's three more songs that didn't make it onto the record that um, I can't find a copy of. Mm. I have a CD that doesn't play anymore. Um, it's kind of a bummer because mm. I'd like to hear those songs. Yeah. Mm. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm down to hear more. I'm always down to hear more. We've got two left, and I'm I'm going to guess on the pronunciation of this one. Is it Chameleon? Yeah. There we go. That was better than your first guess of Came Lion. <laughs> it is better. You Some interesting noodly guitar going on here with some spacey sounds. This one felt a little bit more experimental than the uh, more straight-ahead rockers that we've been kind of getting on the album. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it also appears that, yeah, I, I was having issues with the pronunciation because it appears that it's spelled wrong on streaming, but it's spelled more sensibly on, like, the CD and other places. So I was yeah. led astray that way. I spelled it wrong on purpose oh. and then no one listened to me. So that when we got to put it on Spotify, I respelled all the names of the songs. <laughs> uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. I like the course on this one. I wrote the note on here that this song is about getting your head out of your ass. That was my take on it. And there's no CKY 96 comment on this one. I don't know what happened. Uh, he went back for more turkey, maybe. Uh, I like this one. I don't love it as much as some of the other ones. Uh, I think I'm more, I think I like the heavier riff stuff more, but but not bad. Matt? Yeah, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised by the change of pace. I didn't know if I was ready for it at that moment, but it was like, then because I'm sitting with the person who was in the studio, I was like, this one had to be tough to track because we got the drum roll, and then we got the spacey, bloopy guitars, and then we got some scratching over and then, then there's old Jay Baumgartner just wanting to put his presets on. And he's like, yeah, I don't have a preset for space. This, this, <laughs> this song has a lot of beeps and boops. This might be the most beep and boopy song. He's like, I'll be back. I'm going to go eat more points. <laughs> Matt, you shot some Baumgartner. Baumgartner well, you know, he, don't you do my what? boys dirty. And you know what, though? You know, it's, he's, he's doing it's okay. Fine. He's doing fine. Yeah, he's doing fine. And, oh, and, yeah. and in your defense, I probably had four interactions with him that were not 
a group interactions the entire recording process. Like he was not a not a hands on guy, so you can you can take some. Shots. Oh, okay, so, all right, okay. The, so. the engineer did a lot of the a lot of the heavy lifting on that on this. Yeah. Mm. So it's another situation where Baumgartner's on the couch asleep. Here's the final mix. He's like, eh. <laughs> Listen, at a certain point, I mean, sometimes you're just like, you you, you get those laurels and, mm. and you want to rest on them. You got to rest on you those laurels. On Why'd you work so fucking hard to get those laurels? Right? If you're not going to rest on them. You imagine having laurels you haven't rested on. Oh, come on. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're coming off of Papa Roach. You're coming off of, you know, drowning pool you're coming off of alien but you're coming off these three huge successes you know, mm-hmm. right. right and i mean yeah. no greater feeling than to go in to get in the studio with someone who's created these three legendary projects and then he decides that he's gonna phone yours in yeah you're like you motherfucker <laughs> what what do we do yeah. i mean he ugh. it's tough because i'm i'm mad about that part of it but then uh-huh. the other part of it's like we were young and we didn't know what we were fucking doing mm-hmm. and there there are some some egos in that band that I think made us harder to work with than we could have been. And I think by the time they got to the end, they're like, all right, you guys like, bye, you know? (laughs) Right. Um, Having, having been in the band, you know, having been in a band, I guess, like, do you look at bands like something like you two or something like that, that have like been together the same members the whole time? Is that, and people talk about that. That's like a real rarity. Do you, you look at that as seeing like those guys, really like there's must be some real special sauce because it, it's can be so volatile and so tough to keep a band together yeah the the dynamics have to be there it has to be balanced like you can't you can't have too many cooks in the kitchen and especially like in a band with six guys like it's it's tough i don't know if you guys have ever seen uh that show metalocalypse yeah. oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah but the dynamics of the, like where you have the singer and the lead guitar player that are like the writers. And then you have the drummer that's just making that sound rad. Like that's the ideal situation when you have a couple guys that are on the creative end, um, that sort of get along. And then you have, you know, the rhythm guitar player and the bass player that are kind of doing their thing. If you're in Primus, it's a different situation, but like right, just right. kind of a band where everybody, everybody appreciates what they individually contribute to the band. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's tough to do that, you know, yeah, I don't know how Slipknot does it with. I have. Nine of them. I was just thinking of Slipknot. Like, I'm like, it's just a hat that they put votes into. <laughs> like, what are they doing? Well, I mean, yeah. I I think considering how much solo material that Corey Taylor has done, I think that that is my indication of how they've kept it together. Is that very clear? Is like Corey Taylor, despite being the lead singer, people often often assume the lead singer is sort of running the show. Like in that case, he's like, no, it's clown. This is where I do my other stuff. But that clown you know, will not let me do. Clown won't let me do. Yeah. He, won't, he won't let me pork pie hat it. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why he's clown, okay? <laughs> I, pitched, I pitched five masks with a pork pie hat. He didn't let me go with one of them. Not one. He's like, no, decaying corpse right now. It's like, all right, I'm taking this pork pie hat to Stone Sour. I'm respected. We'll be gay for vendetta somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we are on the last song. It is called Spastic. Fire, <laughs> 
Awesome. I, run, I didn't think I was going to hear the Amen breakbeat and then boom. There it boom. is. <laughs> there it is. That sounds great, dude. That's, yeah. that's a home yeah. run. I love that. Yeah. I wrote, we're screaming and rapping out the door, which is what you want. The riff into the chorus. You're going, oh, shit. It feels exactly like the song that when the in the movie where the cops have to go where the kids hang out and there's a band right. playing. This is the song yeah. that's playing, and then they have to chase a skateboarder through an alleyway and then shake yeah. him down for the information. Yeah, song fucking rips, dude. Rips, yeah. great song. Rips. Um, that was our uh, closer every night. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Fly. We don't yeah. have any more after this. Like, yeah, you. The band yeah. doesn't have any more after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, this is. Yeah, this, this is, is what the you end want. of the band. <laughs> we gotta fulfill a promise backstage we're done we had it we got it we made a pact and we're gonna go backstage and fulfill it so see you guys later enjoy these riffs i will i will just say this in this moment that when i first mentioned the pact the teenagers <laughs> to cut their penises off if they don't get laid in their senior year. I was morbidly embarrassed of that moment. I was like, oh, this is one of my worst riffs of all time. (laughs) And now, because of the Lord, he has elevated it to this place where it's now it's like, oh yeah, we all know this. So... That's uh, thank you for the teamwork. Uh, Lauren, yeah. I appreciate You're it. Well, listen, listen. <laughs> the thing is, is that we have received letters and comments from people. People have made this pact. Okay, oh, no, please. All right. They all listen. They all still have their dicks. Oh, so, good for I, that. but I can't tell if it's because they all got oh. laid or they all broke the pact. If so. they do, if they do cut it off, they call it the Roach Coach bump. That's. <laughs> oh, let's land the plane, Lauren. Don't read any more of your fucking notes. You're oh, done. righty. There you go. Um, yeah. Um, great song, man. Great song. You know what? I'll just hit you with the final comment from CKY96. Who said? Pit activator. Yep. There you, there go. you go. And uh, and then they went back downstairs and had themselves some pumpkin and had pie. some cranberry. Yeah. Uh, so that is the album that is Steppa by Steppa. And now it's the part of the show where we talk about canon talk. Talking about the canon. So this is the first time that we have talked about putting an album in the canon with someone who made the album. Yes. Blake, you are familiar with the show. You're familiar with the new metal canon. Mm-hmm. In your own biased, unbiased way, however you feel, how do you feel about Steppa? in the new metal canon as a large and in going into possibly the roach coach new metal canon. I think it's, it's a, it's a tough one because when it came out, it didn't get the push 
and you know obviously we didn't blow up and become a you know tremendously huge band but people keep coming back to it and holiday kirk put it on his like number 21 mm-hmm. as like best new metal um ahead of like science and three dollar bill I, I would dispute that but just to say like that people are listening to it that it has some respect to it um having stepped away from it for like a number of years because of the challenge of writing it and the frustration coming back to it with that stuff not in my head and listening to it again i think it's a good record i think the songs are they're catchy they're solid they're you know they're rough they're they are what they are i think there's a handful of rippers i think there's some good courses i think uh i think an honorary member maybe i don't know it didn't it didn't move the it didn't move the genre but it it uh it sits nicely in there i think okay i'll go uh, when I wrote in my notes, I said this is a very, very good album. We have incredible choruses, pit activation, snarling riffs, scratches, beeps and boops. This album has it all. As a hidden gem of the genre, you could make a case for the whole thing because there's really no yeah. weak spots. There's no parts on this. And I mean, we would say this even if you weren't here, Blake. Like, there's no parts in here where I was like, what are we doing here? Like, this is mm-hmm. doing it. This is doing the damn thing. And uh, I'm also, it's under 40 minutes. I mean, I mean... I could see, I'm evoking the, the Jenny I mean right now. I mean, I mean yeah, I, I could see putting the whole thing in. I mean, you've got Mountain, King of the Fuss, Niklo, Spaceships and, and Airplanes. I mean, all the way back to Aquarium. They, they've got them all in there. I mean, plus, like we said, a song about making a pack with your friends to cut your dick off. I mean, that's true. You know, there it is. So I'm, I am going in the position that I think this could be a worthy addition to the new metal canon. Matt. So, at first, I was like, well, okay, what, what songs? Spastic feels like it. King of the Fuss feels like it. Uh, I could make an argument for PLU. I could make an argument for Aquarium. And then when I get to that point, I'm like, well, then we have to put the whole thing in. Because now I'm naming half the album mm-hmm. that I think could go in there and is a great representation of style. Um, the only thing that would hold me back is that there are some moments, like, the highs are super fucking high. Like, mm-hmm. I am... At this point in Spastic, I am ready to run through a brick wall. Like, I'm ready to go. I've got what I've needed. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, I feel it's very on brand for new Metal. Like, there's a lot of, you know, obviously hearing the truth of a lot of the situations in these songs. It's like, it's all there. And it's like, it's, new Metal has no subtext. It's like, it is text. Yeah. It is like, yeah. I fucking hurt. And we've got real, I'm fucking hurt songs here. So, put it in. I'm in. Let's go. There you go. First corn album, no. Steppa in, baby. <laughs> yeah. There you have it. Steppa by Steppa in the new metal canon. Oof. There you it. go. We did it. We did it. Blake, thank you so much for coming on the show. Obviously, new Steppa on the way. Anything else that you wanted to plug throughout there? No, man. I mean, uh, yeah, new Steppa's coming. Check out my Instagram. I'm also a painter. Make art. Awesome. Like Great. that. I don't really sell anything. Um, I just do it for the fun. But um. People have told me that they enjoy it. So that's great. All right. Awesome. Well, t- check out Blake then on Instagram there. Keep an ear out and an eye out for new Steppa. And we're just we're just gonna the friendly push. Everybody put in some PTO. Let's get some live shows. We're just putting Let's it get out. A there. singular live show. Singular live show. Maybe that's all you need. What you know what? One's all you need sometimes. Yeah. One's all you need. So just putting it out there. But thank you, everyone, for listening. Keep on saying hello to us online, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. We're on all of those, Roach Coach and all those. Send us an email, 
roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how your packs are going with your friends. Um, and if anyone still has their dicks in your group of friends. I hope they all do. I hope they all do. And until next time, Matt, thank you. Lauren, thank you. Blake, thank you. It's easier when you're together. <laughs> <laughs> sure is. Sure yeah, is. So much. so much easier. All right. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. No big sense.